Hey, is she watching like uh, Teen Beach 2? If we got that on the back background, that would be tough. Can we shut that door? Thank you. Okay. On that note. Yes. We are coming up on the, it's great that I'm losing track, fifth or sixth guest here on Shooting the Shot. We had Will Ferrell, Carlos, uh, Nash, uh, Jaime, and then this would be John Weinbach, five. And then we've already got the sixth one lined up. So we're cruising at this point. And I'm really excited about this guest, John Weinbach, uh, producer, filmmaker, writer, TV personality host. I want to ask him if, you know, how he thinks we're doing here. Um, And, you know, all the rage right now is Last Dance and he produced it. And clearly, I think everyone in our audience would agree that John has been intimate with and intricately responsible for possibly two of the finest docuseries ever made. Uh, The Last Dance about the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan and We Are LAFC, one of the most viewed original content series in the history of ESPN's ESPN Plus platform. What more can we say? You know, I'm sure in terms of characters, a Bob Bradley or a Tom Penn or a Carlos Vela are right up there with um, uh, the best of them. So I'm eager to hear. Uh, I've only had a couple conversations with him, with him. He's an Ivy Leaguer, so I think the intellect is going to be there. Maybe he'll drag me up along with both of you guys. Um, I, yeah, I, so I, you, I don't... UCLA, a UCLA grad myself, um, you know, I, I, I pale in comparison, but, uh, you know, we'll see what those Ivy League days are like. Well, I hope that you took the same precaution I did. I, I have the thesaurus on the table next, <laughs> and, I, and I'll try and, you know, roll out some significant verbiage to impress the crowd. Uh, looking forward to this one. He should be hopping on shortly. Here we go. Oh, here we go. It's on now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, geared up. Geared up. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love when the guests show up ready. Ready uh, with the proper attire and ready to go. Wait, hold on. Larry will like this. Hold on. This is the, the, the insignia day. Oh, wow. Look at your year old hat. <laughs> It's yeah. got the stains to prove. I love that the stains are like, uh, yeah, like war wounds. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, you're the, the nice. first producer um, on the show, which is pretty awesome. And uh, unless, unless Jaime, has he produced yeah, anything? Yeah, Jaime is the, Does it count? Bro. Yeah. Okay, but he's a, he's a veteran producer. This is true. I love everything you've done from the, the Wall Street's $1 million fantasy league um, to obviously the straight out of LA 30 for 30. Um, and then our, our personal favorite that we hold dear to our hearts, we are LAFC, um, that we're going to get to, um, obviously, uh, throughout this conversation, but I just wanted to start it right off the bat. And I know, um, I don't know if Larry knew I was going to do this, but I just want to cut to it. We know you're a producer, writer, and a TV personality, a host. So, between those three occupations, um, what would you start, cut, and bench? Ooh. Uh, yeah, give it to start, us. Cut, and bench. Okay, well, 
I think I would probably start. Oh, that's hard. I would start as a writer because that's kind of what I am. Ultimate. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. I don't know. I, I start with that just because at the core of anything I do is some piece of written material. And like, I still, uh, I mean, Larry knows Mike Tolan, my, my boss, my partner. Uh, he's like, he tries to beat the reporter out of me uh, sometimes, but I still sort of default to that. You know, I got to report something out. I got to write something on a piece of paper and, and have it clearer. And whatever I do, whether it's directing something, producing something, if I have to write copy, it still starts with that. Um, and then I would say probably producer, director, you know, that some, each, each project kind of has its own cadence and rhythm. Sometimes you're doing more producing stuff, which is to say, like, you know, people always ask me, like, what does that mean? You know, like your producer, it feels so cliche to LA, like I'm a producer. Um, <laughs> make stuff happen, you know, you invent projects, you create them, and then sometimes you direct those. Um, and then on camera host, we're having a little bit of a. Are you getting that, Larry? A little bit of lag yeah. on the internet. Um, Hold on know. one second. Can you guys hear me now? Yes. yes. My kids are playing a Fortnite tournament in my office right now, which is <laughs> I don't have the better internet access. But um, give me, yeah, give me two seconds here. Okay. okay. There's a first. Okay. There we go. There we go. Love that's, that. That's Sonny Weinbach in the background on the headphones. All right. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Cameos. Perfect. Tell us a little bit about how you go from a guy who is with AOL at pretty much the dawn of the commercial internet when we're all getting free discs um, <laughs> in the newspaper that are you know, intended to get us to sign up for and use AOL as our ISP back in the day. How do you end up from there to, you know, co-producing with legendary Hollywood producer, former head of Sony Pictures, the one and only Peter Goober? So it's a pretty funny story. Um, I... I joined AOL after I had, I had been in the Wall Street Journal and then I had done straight out of LA, the first 30 for 30 I did. And at the time, AOL was launching, they had, I think, TechCrunch and Daily Finance. They, and so this is like 2009. Yeah. They were like, okay, we're going to be the time life of the digital age. We're going to launch all these content verticals in tech, sports, you know, finance, what have you. And, um, a dear friend of mine who I used to work with in the Wall Street Journal said, hey, you might, there's some interesting stuff happening in AOL. Would you be interested? And so I ended up being sort of like their sports business reporter and LA correspondent. And at the time, I was sort of the only person who did video. And like on the old end, and, and so I started like a sports business uh, TV series called The Front Office. We did like interviews with Tim Laiwiki and um, you know, Kathy Carter from oh, wow. MLS days and, uh, good name you know, drop, John, yeah, a whole bunch, a whole bunch of people, interesting people. Um, but, and they hired, AOL hired a bunch of great staffers. I mean, the diaspora from that site fan house, they're at SI, they're at, uh, all, all New York times, I mean, a whole bunch of them. Um, and then it sort of just went away. <laughs> I mean, it really like, like in 2011 right. just went away. Um, but the timing was good for me because in 2010, Larry Friedman, what other major sports business transaction took place? 
was that the uh, Golden State Warriors? That was my. Whoa. That was my. Actually, my first dealing with Peter was. I can't even remember what the story was. I think I was looking into doing a story about Mandalay baseball when I was at the Journal, and but it never ran. But I ended up covering the sale of the Warriors. And oh, so was, was that was that the headline? What are Joe Lacob and Peter Goober thinking, paying that for an that NBA? Value. Well, the other and, thing, of course. Wait a second. What? What? How much was it? What was the price at that point? I, Four. I think it was like five and a quarter. Yeah, I mean, really? it, was, it was an astounding number at the yes. time, and not yeah. even so much because the Warriors were. You know, people forget the Warriors were like worse than the Clippers. Honestly, they were terrible. Maybe not worse, but they were on par as far as being a poorly run organization. But also the crazy part that Larry knows is that uh, that Peter was bidding against Larry Ellison. Yeah. And, and nobody loses to Larry Ellison yeah. when it comes to money. And, and it was um, – I just remember interviewing Peter and Joe. Okay. And it was for AOL and, and you know – it was funny because because it was AOL, people thought, I mean, we had big reach, but it was still kind of like people were figuring out, wait, is this AOL? Is it Fan House? Is this going to run on the website? But um, Peter was great. and But the big thing is that by doing that job, I was able to sort of have credentials to, to you know, sports media events. And so the whole time I was doing that, I was producing a film called The Other Dream Team about the 1992 Lithuanian Olympic basketball team. And so... Yeah. And it's got sponsored by the Grateful Dead. And, you know, if you're a basketball fan, you know, Sharunas Marshallonis and Arvidas Sabonis, really great story. Yeah. And so I was able to sort of like moonlight while I was doing that. And we ended up, you know, getting into the Sundance Film Festival and we got a deal with Lionsgate and Disney. And, and so we got some acclaim. And about right before Sundance in 2012, I promise I'm coming around here, Larry, on the story, is that... Uh, Mike Tolan said to me, you know, I'm thinking about launching this new entity with, with Peter Huber, you know, Mandalay Sports Media. And, and he was telling me about it and he had told me about it a year earlier. So I was a little bit skeptical, but I said, look, Mike, if this ever actually happens, like I'm raising my hand. And so after we had a nice review in Sunday uh, on Variety or Hollywood Reporter and Mike called in early 2012, he's like, John Weinbach, like, want to talk about life, the capital L. <laughs> and I said, that's, that sounds great. And I went to meet with P Peter uh, and Paul Schaefer. Um, and, it, and then that's sort of how it came together. And so we've been, I guess we've now almost eight years, actually more than eight years, which seems crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, how it, that's how I ended up you know, coming to Mandalay and partnering with Peter and Mike and Paul. And so that's the, the long, short story. That is very cool. So... Jordan alluded to, you know, the depth of your background and, and the multitude of projects and the producing credits and the writing credits. And I'm a little baffled because I checked out your IMDb page. Okay. <laughs> and there is no producer or executive producer or director or writing credit. In fact, there's no credit at all listed for one of the best documentaries well, in the you history. You know, is that true? Is it not on there? No, no. There is no mention of We Are LAFC. So are we embarrassed, John? But, but, there was, but there was a mention, and I was talking to my wife about it, of The Last Dance. And we're like, well, 
Well, fucking of course oh. there's a mention of the oh. last dance. <laughs> oh man, I by the way, I did not know that. Um, I I'm gonna change that like right after we get this call because <laughs> I will tell you something. You know, I'm very proud of our series. Um, and for those who don't know, it's we are LAFC, ten parts on on ESPN um, about you know chronicling the team's expansion season. And as you guys know, that was an unusual project because you know we started it. Um, shall we say late <laughs> in, in, the, in the year? Um, and, you know, it was a unique one because, well, I, you know, I don't know if it, the, the answer is, it has nothing to do with my feelings about the project. I'm very proud of it. It was, um, it was fun to do. Uh, it's hard to do because I, as you know, uh, a season ticket holder and, you know, friendly with, you know, a lot of the principals and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, I felt a, um, responsibility with that project, you know, not, I mean, really, I care a lot deeply about all, all the stuff I do, but the Jordan project is, is massive, but, but the LAFC project for me was really massive because I'm from LA. I'm a massive soccer fan. I interned at major league soccer in its second year. I'm, you know, I know a lot of people there and, and I used to write about MLS, um, you know, at the journal at every opportunity and almost, you know, feeling like a, uh, you know, I, I needed to, to be part of this effort to mainstream, Amer- you know, soccer in American, uh, American landscape. So it has nothing to do with how I feel about the series or the team. I'm going to get that squared away like this afternoon. So did you approach that, that whole project from a fan's point of view, from that mentality? Like what would a fan appreciate coming from, you know, an expansion team um, that obviously had the ownership group that we did and then the, the, the characters that we did within that group, did you approach it as, as like a fan? All, all of the above. I mean, I approached it as yeah. a fan, as a producer, as, um, you know, a, a soccer, not what's the best word, evangelist. I mean, I, I think, <laughs> but, but really, I mean, I think that, um, and I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know, but, but I do think that, you know, historically MLS, um, it's been challenging because it's not, you know, it's a younger league. Um, it hasn't had the opportunity both from you know internally its own resources and externally from networks to like mythologize its own history and you know the smartest thing that the nfl did was they created nfl films which they had this in-house myth department you know that they could make these players look larger than life and you know frankly soccer has been behind not just the mls the epl bundesliga la liga none of them have that kind of entity like nfl films as and now the nba entertainment baseball and so i knew that this was this grand experiment in la and i talked with tom and larry and and peter and paul and i would send them emails at every single milestone you know breaking ground at, at, at the sports arena hiring bob like we got to be shooting this we got to be shooting this we got to be doing this and you know Peter has said it, I'm sure to you, Larry, said it to us, which is like, you don't want to make a story about the thing. <laughs> make, like, do the thing, then tell the story. And I think, you know, his bigger concern was like, let's get this team off the ground. Um, and, but, you know, Tom obviously is uniquely positioned because he was in the media um, and, and sort of had the vision to like stay in the ESPN's ear about it. And that's kind of really how it happened. I mean, um, we did a, a big pitch deck um, before the season, like, you know, late, late fall of 2017. We shot with, um, and it's in the series, we shot with 
John and Bob and Tom in that, um, Larry, of course, everyone was in there in that, uh, in the, in the conference center where they were kind of going the sales strategy center. in the yeah. sales center in the experience center. Um, and so it was profoundly disappointing, frankly, that we weren't able to get greenlit before the season. Um, and so then when we got greenlit, you know, really almost two thirds of the way through, and if you remember, we, our first day of shooting was before the third galaxy game yeah. in 2018. I mean, that was, I don't know, was it late August? So yeah, luckily there was enough, there was enough footage though, right? I mean, there might well, not have been enough for your liking, but there, it was actually pretty well documented well, kind of it's, that early stages for an MLS team. Well, not for just an MLS team, for any team. I mean, I, you know, Rich and uh, Marcus and all the guys on, on the LAFC, uh, Seth, and all, yeah. all on the communication side, it's only because you guys had that material not just that you had it, that it was shot well and, and, you know, you captured the moments like Bob's opening speech to the team, you know, where he compared, you know, he asked, uh, he asked Carlos to, to be like Messi, you know, it's only because of that. And, and, you know, I was involved. I, I even, you know, when the team was starting, I came out and just said, Hey, what can I do to help? Cause I wanted to help the club do this. And that was really just from a perspective of like, I want to see this team succeed because I thought, the parts were in place in a unique way in this market um, to succeed. And, you know, I think that's been held to be true. So how difficult was your job made by the competing visions, the competing interests, the competing opinions, and for the millions and millions of viewers and listeners of shooting the shot, you know, the fact is you and I got into it on a couple of occasions because I had my own thoughts on how best to tell the story. Uh, I know Tom did, Rich did, you had your own ideas, you know, Bob had his I mean, ideas. Bob, Bob never had any thoughts on the project or production. Uh, he was, it was always saying yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Show that John. Show that. Well, and, and then ESPN and the league had their views, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I like to. I mean, look, the Jordan project, in a way, uh, I mean, sorry, the, the LAFC project was, in a way, very good practice for the Jordan project. Obviously, scale of, of a different magnitude, but in terms of the competing, you know, chefs in the kitchen, and and I mean, with with the LAFC project, um, it was f almost five different viewpoints because you had the 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 on-field personnel like that story to tell and that's like sort of let's call it that's bob's world then there's john's world you know thorrington and and sort of the front office i'll call that the front office and ownership and then there's sort of you know larry your the, the the sort of the community which is a big story for lafc of how do you create a fan base from zero you know doesn't that story deserve to be told that's three viewpoints then there's mls Four, ESPN five, and then our own team. You know, so six. I mean, with the Jordan Project, you had the NBA, you had the Jordan people, you had ESPN, you had Netflix. Jason, our director, Mandalay us. So I mean, you had a lot of that, and it's not easy. Um, I like to think that that's what I do well is trying to you know not make everybody happy, but maybe make everybody equally unhappy. <laughs> So, so, and, and, be able, and my thing is to be honest, like I, you know, I, I, I would say, look, I think there are 
tons of great stories. I'll give you an example, like Mark Anthony Kay, right? And Latif, who I, you know, I, I love those guys as players and as humans. They're just great and their, their stories are great. But for our series, you know, Mark got hurt. And so there was only, a, and he was great about giving us access. There's only a, so much I could say. And obviously he had an even greater season in 2019. Um, and how great would it have been to, to follow that? But, but like there was only so much I could put him in in our show because he wasn't a name at the time. And, and it's hard to get that across to the ESPN people to care. And so you're dealing with, you know, MLS already, there's a bar to jump over, unfairly in my opinion, but an, a bar that, hey, who's going to care about MLS? Okay, then within MLS, who are we going to care about on LAFC? And then within LAFC, who are we going to care about? So it was, it's a challenge for sure. Um, in a way, I think we had the advantage of we had to get these episodes done to, to, to air for March. Um, and also, we, we also had the, the challenge of, you know, that season ended so abruptly, abruptly. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And, and I'm saying this as someone like who's watched a lot of soccer and a lot of MLS. And I think at, I don't know, at various points in 2018, I said, this team's good enough to win, you know, the whole thing. Forget about last year, but like, you know, and, and so it was the first time in my life where I have a personal passion, the team as a fan, a professional passion in this project where it came together and also personal connections. You know, I had never been this close to a team at every level, you know, players, coaches, organizations, owners. So it was like, you know, I felt it, you know, in a way that I hadn't done a project before. Did you, did you take some of these lessons uh, from this, you know, 10 part docuseries and apply them to the last dance, although it was on a larger scale? I mean, Yes and no. My, my role is also, you know, every project's a little bit different. On that, on, on LAFC, I was so involved in every possible part of it um, in a way I could never be. And I, and I wasn't in, in, in The Last Dance. It's just, you know, Jason was a director. He, it was, it was different for me because I'm used to doing every interview and, you know, arranging and supervising all the edits. I mean, on this one, thankfully, like we had an incredibly capable team. And so my role on, on The Last Dance was more like, it was, it was kind of nice because I could say, I was like, how can I say yes? What can I do to help these guys get there? Is it arranging a crew? Is it, you know, how do we get to this person to an interview? How do I deal with the licensing? I play defense against the NBA. <laughs> like all these various things um, that, you know, I think the, the best practice for it was, okay, wow, it, you've got a lot of stakeholders here who are really invested in seeing this succeed and, and seeing it succeed on a certain kind of level. And so that, that was the best practice for it. So was there anything that got cut from We Are LAFC that you just wish in the depth of your heart actually made <laughs> For instance, you know, you, you guys, part of the process was we would get a little sneak peek at not quite finished versions of episodes. And there was that episode um, where we're in Kansas City. It's the last day of the season. If we win, we win the West. And in a game where, you know, KC goes down a man, unfortunately, we find a way to lose. And I'm watching the, 
the the cut of that episode and Bob is circling Lee and I think Benny. There's and, me. I was there too. Oh, I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> oh, great. My 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 esteemed co host. It was two and, or three of us, yeah. And and Bob circles them like it felt like a dozen times and just fuck. And and in the first cut of the episode, you guys had that whole scene in there. And I'm like, I think maybe we get the point after the first two fucks. Yeah. So um, but for you. Was there something in particular that you were like, oh my God, this is box office gold, but it didn't make it for whatever reason? Am I at liberty to say? I don't know. I mean, I think that I should get whatever fee the club, a portion of whatever fee the, the club got for Andres Horta. Will that, will that answer the question? <laughs> <laughs> so um, we, we, we shot, I mean, listen, I think this is no great secret um, that, you know, Andres was very nice to work with from our point of view and, you know, sat down for an interview when, uh, when, you know, it was already kind of the case that it, things were not going great for him at the club. Um, and he was like a pro, uh, but there was that moment in the Chicago game in the first, in 2018 at Chicago um, where Bob really went after him uh, at halftime that, um, the show does not feature the full version of that. And I think, you know, um, I felt okay about what was in there. I didn't feel like it was like sanitized. We got the point. It didn't need to be so graphic. And I, I'll say this, you know, I was joking about Bob, but like I, I have uh, an enormous, more than enormous. I mean, I, it's like a, a huge amount of, not just respect, but like, you know, admiration for, for him as a person, as a coach. Um, I think you may know this, you know, I, I went to Yale, Bob was a coach at Princeton. I covered, you know, my freshman year of college, I covered the Yale-Princeton game when Jesse Marsh kicked our ass. No uh, way. Playing for Princeton. Harvey, I told you he was going to find a way. These Ivy Leaguers always, always. do. And oh, by the God. way, by the way, I hope, I hope you noticed that he used the word diaspora. Early. Diaspora. Diaspora. Come on. Like, I went to Boston University. I can't even pronounce the word. Diaspora. <laughs> Jordan Harvey is a UCLA guy. Come on. Uh, hey, the, we, uh, we, we talked about opening our thesaurus before this interview just to make sure we, we understood everything that was going on. <laughs> no, but by the way, Bob gave me shit about it. Bob gave me the first day when I came in. He went to school. Da, da, da. But, but Bob <laughs> is, is, a, is a challenge in terms of he's an intimidating guy based on his aura you know he's intense and all of that is true but um what i really in, enjoy it was you know energizing to be around is he challenges you i mean i know he challenges the players but even as a you know as an interviewer um and he would go back and forth and he would go back at you but allow you the opportunity to go back at him and that's kind of what his you know from my amateur you know analysis point of view is like that's kind of what makes him is like he wants that back and forth and I think he respects it more and so you know uh, for someone who's not a former player or a former coach at an elite level like I, I know soccer pretty well I think and, and and think I'm pretty educated about certainly this league and and you know the game and I think he saw that I cared I think he's the kind of person that if you care that's what he's really looking for 
And I think he can respect the fact that we were, hey, we're just trying to do our job. And, and he understood that we had a job to do and that like it kind of wouldn't be great if it was just like a sanitized ad. And so he, he got that really, really quickly. And so he, that part was great. I mean, I, there's not a ton. I mean, I think the, the league and you guys were, were really cool about that, you know, and that um, to give us that trust considering the insanely expedited timeline. Right. So two last LAFC questions, because I know that Harvey is going to dive deep on the last <laughs> game. So, and, and these, the answer to these two questions may actually intersect. But curious about your favorite LAFC moment as a fan, and also if you could share with the audience uh, a little bit about Sad Galaxy Man. <laughs> well, those are inter. Well, so I would have told you intertwined. So I would have told you that 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 the. Playoff game against the Galaxy last year. It's not just top LAFC moment. I mean, I've been very fortunate to go through some great, memorable sports fan moments as a, a, live. Number one, in 1987, I ran onto the floor after the Lakers beat the Celtics game six, 87 finals. I attended game two of the 88 World Series. Uh, Dodgers A's, Oral Hershiser had a three-hitter and got three hits. Wow. Um, I... Went to, uh, oh, uh, the, uh, you know, I'm not just saying this because it's uh, an Ivy League thing, but <laughs> Yale hockey win the NCAA championship, you know, uh, and that was long after college. Um, drink, drink, Larry, drink, Larry. Yeah, every yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um, the LAFC victory over the Galaxy in the playoffs, I would have said was my favorite moment until this year at the uh, um, CONCACAF Champions League. Oh, yeah. That comeback um, was so awesome. Although I think actually, now that I'm thinking about it, the, the, LA, the, the Galaxy playoff game was more just because it was, it was like exercising these demons and, and you know, having been to all of the games. I hadn't been to, I didn't go to the first game against Zlatan at Home Depot, but... Um, you didn't miss that, anything. Yeah, that was so... <sighs> thrilling as a as a game and then so um satisfying and so i was like it came out of me um from from a fan's point of view and knowing how much it meant to the club and to everyone across the club it was incredible well um, it's interesting that you talk about the exercising of the demons because when it happened and i've since been we'll call it backed up by what's what went on in the last dance. I likened it to how Jordan and Pippen and that Bulls team had to climb the mountain and vanquish the bad boy Detroit Pistons. Yeah. It, they had been on the wrong end of it for so long. And sooner or later, if you're going to be a champion, you've, you've got to vanquish your demon. Isn't it crazy, though, that you're talking about that was the, what, sixth game between the two teams in two years, right? Because they played yeah, three times yeah, the first, first year. Was three. So in six games, in two years, without a playoff game, they had there was already that kind of intensity to it. And it's just incredible. And you, so the, you asked about Sad Galaxy, man. So 
where we, we sit, our seats are section 124. We're, you know, just to the uh, south side of the goal. I'm sorry, just to the west side of the goal on the, you know, on the non 3252 side. And for whatever reason, and Larry, you got to get on this. The, the row behind us is always like a random row, fans of the other team. Like it's, it just seems that way. We, we sit, you know, in front of us or all, it's all LAFC diehards. But for whatever reason behind us, there's always kind of some random. And so that game, <clears throat> there were like three Galaxy fans and they were taunting and the whole thing. I mean, all, all fine, nothing too bad. But, How many times uh, did they say you can't beat us? Oh, that and also, you know, it's like it's the it was it's central casting because Zlatan is such a perfect villain, and he's you know it was they were effective and and it was just like we got to keep scoring like we did you yeah. know, <laughs> and so when Dio scored was that the fifth goal? Yeah. Yes. So when Dio scored, it was like. <sighs> Finally, and because remember, right beforehand they had. I, I, I'm getting, I'm getting chills just actually thinking about that feeling because when it goes two-two, it, it's almost like a like an ominous cloud just comes over, oh. and you're like, not again, not again. And then we obviously go not on a- to push, but yeah, it's just, I mean, exercise the demons is like the perfect way of putting it, just because it's just like, oh, like thank God we got that off our back, but. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't no, mean to no, cut off. No, no, it was story. just, it was so thrilling, and it was going back and forth, and as I recall, and I could be wrong, it was 4-3, and like, yes. Galaxy had a, had a free kick, like, you know, maybe 10 yards outside of the 18, and it like, it was a pretty dangerous ball, and it was like, oh no, oh no, and then, and it was like immediate restart, and they, and, and it was a, a goal, and the guy behind me who had been just so annoying the whole game, and so I'm lifting up my younger son, who's over there <laughs> um and the guy i just i don't know what came over me i just pointed to the guy behind me i was like sad galaxy man sad galaxy man and so oh, captured on video <laughs> captured on video and then i said and he flipped us off and then i sent it to to you guys and to rich and so they they did some some editing magic but uh that was it's certainly top i don't know 10 i mean put it this way it's certainly top 10 of my lifetime attending events. Um, and the game in the, in the CONCACAF Gold Cup, just this, whatever, it feels like ages ago. It was probably, yeah. what, two months yeah. ago? You know? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's for, what the team that we beat. Leon. Leon. Oh, Leon. Right, right. I was going to say Pachuca. No, no, Leon. Um, that was next. was also incredible. I mean, incredible. Oh. Um, so those, I mean, you know, when I got the season seeds, I sort of did it as hey i want to go and maybe my friend you know i can take my dad my brother and hopefully introduce my you know my my kids are not as into soccer as i am as a player but they've gotten really into lafc and so and it's become like a family you know uh, tradition and particularly with my younger son like just loves going to the games moving on uh to the what what's consuming our lives right now which is uh, the Last Dance and uh, the documentary uh, showing Michael Jordan and his his reign. Um, tell tell us about that. I mean, it's the timing of it uh, was impeccable. I mean, uh, everybody's just craving sports right now, and it came out at such a perfect time. Um, you know, I, I did 
did a little research and and your director that you were talking about he wanted it to be like four to six episodes why 10 why why well, so, so long yeah i mean it, it's um and i didn't know if that had anything to do with we are lafc and is it in like the format is that like yeah i mean look the the it's a it's a story that goes back i mean really goes back to you know 1997 which is yeah. you know, andy thompson who is Michael Thompson, the basketball player, his brother. Andy Thompson is the uncle of Clay Thompson. Um, and he was a producer at NBA Entertainment. And he, you know, saw the, the, the tea leaves, basically, that, that, hey, there's this bizarre thing happening where the greatest dynasty in the history of basketball is going to implode, and they're going to choose to basically end the reign. And so he went to NBA Entertainment, which was headed at that time by, a, you know, younger executive named Adam Silver. And so Adam Silver was the head of NBA entertainment at the time. And they had this idea, Hey, let's send our best team, our best shooters, our best producers and embed with the bulls for the year, because this promises to be this, you know, remarkable season. And so they got this incredible access and captured, you know, 500 hours of, of, of footage of that season ending with Michael Jordan hitting the winning shot. I mean, like what could be better? And so what you have to remember is that up until very, very recently, you know, documentaries were a pathway to poverty. I mean, this was not something that people did that people felt like it was like, you know, there was an educational component to it. Every now and again, like Michael Moore would, you know, hit the zeitgeist with a, with a project that would make some attention, but these are not money makers and there was no outlet for them on television. And so, I, you know, I do think that as, and in the sports realm, it was like, okay, no, we do highlight films. Leagues do highlight films. They don't do, there's not storytelling like this. And so it's a long way of saying the tides changed. I think first, number one, ESPN with the, with the success of 30 for 30. And so now, now like when people forget, remember 30 for 30 started as an anniversary thing for ESPN, 30 films to, to mark 30 uh, yeah. years of ESPN's existence. Now it's become a brand name for quality oh, yeah. sports film. The same way like you say Kleenex for tissues. It's like it's a 30 for 30, you know, and um, that happened. And then the streaming era with the success of How to Make a Murder and these, what you know, long form documentaries showed there's a viable market for this. And then, it, and then specific to sports, when the OJ series came out, by the way, in early 20, 2016, it was like, oh, we can do a deep dive. So, so some market forces importantly changed. As for how we got into it, you know, we got, I had heard about this footage 20 years ago. I mean, this was considered sort of like this holy grail of footage. And I, of course, don't know how many times various people approached the Jordan team. It was a lot. Um, Frank Marshall approached him. Danny DeVito approached him. You know, th there was a sort of temporary cut done years and years ago for a one-hour film. But it was always like, you know, how can you tell the story of Michael Jordan in the season in one hour? So, and to be clear, both parties, the, the NBA and Jordan, had to sign off on it for that's right. So the, the deal yeah. that Adam Silver made with Michael Jordan was like, look, we'll just we'll if you allow us to shoot this footage, we'll have an agreement that neither party can use the the footage without the other one's consent. Yeah. And if nothing else, Michael, you'll have the greatest collection of home videos ever. Yeah. And so there it sat, and and so. Um, we got wind of this, it's sort of the discussion started in earnest in early 2016. Um, and it was, I remember we went to Toronto. I went to Toronto with Mike Tolan for the NBA All-Star Weekend. It was like the coldest I've ever been as a human. 
and we had sort of, you know, had this discussions. Okay, we're going to meet with Curtis Polk and Esty Portnoy, who are, you know, Michael's longtime partners and and, and advisors, and gatekeepers. And I was in the hotel lobby with Mike. It might have actually been Peter was with us. And then it was like Mike went away with with Curtis and Esty. I was like, okay, well, maybe we can get a meeting with Michael. So in that intervening four months, we created, you know, a, a, a lookbook, a, you know, a pitch book. And this was no ordinary lookbook. I mean, this was like a, you know, like an advertising quality deck um, <laughs> that, that we did different versions. We did a six episode. We did it. I think the, we, always, we settled on an eight episode and a 10 episode version. And I think the one we sent to, to Michael that Mike went to Charlotte and it was a real kind of hastily arranged thing. We knew we needed to create the book. We didn't know exactly when Mike was going to go. And so he ended up going um, draft night of 2016. And, you know, the, the, the deck was strong. Um, if I can, you know, take, you know, uh, say so myself, but. Goes back to that yellow yellow education. Yeah. (laughs) There were many people and we had a team that that did it, but you know, I'm very involved in, especially in all of our writing materials, but the the big part of it was Mike wrote a letter to Michael on Mm -hmm. the sort of the, on the front page, um, that said, you know, Hey, every, every year interns come into our office and they only know you as a brand. They've never actually seen you play. And now it's time. And then I do think we, we benefited from the fact that in 2016, the Warriors were about to break the, or they, they had broken the Bulls record for best season ever. And, you know, it's, it was, the original idea was, hey, let's get this on the air for 2018. It'll be 20 years from 98. We're in 20, 2020 now. So it, it took, you know, almost as long to get the deal done. We didn't really start doing production until early 2018. Then you pushed it up, the release date, yeah. obviously, because everybody was in quarantine. How did that even happen? Are, were you guys still finishing yeah. the episodes as, as it was released? Oh, yeah. So, so the crazy part was, as of, I call it the, the French infection, Wednesday, March 11th, when Rudy Gobert, you know, test positive, and then the whole NBA shuts down. And then Friday the 13th, and then that Monday, the 16th, we had about six episodes locked, more or less. Seven and eight in pretty decent stages. Nine, a little. Ten was not really done at all. Um, <laughs> but Jason, our director, who, you know, he had done this unbelievable job of interviewing basically everyone. Um, that Monday or Tuesday, we were scheduled to interview John Stockton in Spokane, Washington. And he asked, Jason asked me, he said, look, I can't go because I'm going to be, if I get stuck there. And so I was actually going to fly to Spokane to interview John Stockton. And then I spoke to my wife. <laughs> she said, wait a minute, you're going to go to Washington, the epicenter yeah. of the virus at that state? And so uh, that didn't happen. But I was prepared to go, but um, I thought better of it. I'm, I'm sort of glad in retrospect I didn't do it. But that's, to, to your point, I mean, that's how in the weeds we still were. Um, and so it came about really quickly of like, Okay, there already was a clamoring for on social media for to get the series out, but you know it was a discussion that we were having amongst all the partners pretty much immediately, and it was really a math problem more than anything. It was like, okay, so many days, yeah. and you know the bigger thing was obviously on all the edits, all the all the editors were moved out of our post production facility in New York. We had to copy. I mean, the tech geeks will understand this. We had to talk, copy like I don't know eighty terabytes of media five times 
to get wow. to all the editors so that every editor would have all the media and then Jason coordinating and, you know, we're dealing with licensing and all that kind of stuff. So um, it was, a you know, it was crazy, but I think in a way having that deadline helped. Do you, do you think going back to getting Michael Jordan on board, um, do you think that argument of kind of, in a way, and he's already relevant, his brand is crazy, but like making him relevant in this era, you think that pushed him over the edge to, to say yes? The thing you see in the series, and I think maybe the best part of the project is that, you know, it's, it isn't this, you know, advertisement for how great Michael Jordan is all the time. I mean, he, you know, there's some raw footage there. He is mean to Jerry Krause. He is harsh on Scotty Burrell, you know? Um, And I think until he was, until Michael was sufficiently out of the, you know, spotlight, I think he, you know, it was like, what do I need to have people look at, see me like that? They won't understand it. And if it's a one hour documentary or a two hour documentary, there's not going to be time for the context and I'll just come off looking like a jerk. And I think that the, the scope of the project helped. And, you know, as to why exactly, I don't know. I just know he said yes. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I think that that's sort of, you know, the, the, the big question is why now. But I, I think it's all of these factors. There's a market opportunity. There was a history opportunity. And the timing worked out really nicely. And I think that as much as you might see that as a, as a, as a bad thing, that he's not, he's not shown in this this uh you know this light i i think everybody's kind of put it in context and really had have has that much more respect for him because of his competitive nature and his uh you know attitude towards his teammates pushing them to a championship so i i thought it was just so interesting and i and i appreciate each and every episode i have my wife watching she's interested in it right. which says something right it's like universal just to see inside uh you know his reign however many years and like even, you know, people who aren't interested in sports are interested in Michael Jordan and, and how he did what he did. Uh, I don't know if Larry, you're going to ask another question. I, I'm interested also in, sorry, Larry, in, in who came up with the idea and it might've been your director of kind of time lapsing and going to these pods and these stories. Um, that, it's a brilliant idea and always kind of coming back to that last season. Um, how did that kind of unfold? So I will say that that is the most gratifying thing creatively. I mean, it's hard to say that because I mean, there's lots of things I, I love about it, but you know, Jason is the architect of the, all, he did all the interviews and supervising the edit, I mean, chief creative force of this. But in terms of that architecture of using the, the season to ping pong back, that was the original vision. Um, that we put forth in the deck is to say, I mean, we had not seen the footage. So we were sort of guessing. Like, so it was like, okay, when they play the Pistons in 98, we'll jump back to a Pistons pot. And when they play like the Suns, we'll jump back into like the 93 finals or whatever. You know, we would just based on what we knew from, from like looking at the box scores, like here's when these things happen. Um, it's, so that was always part of the vision of, hey, we're, we'll have a pot on the Knicks. We'll have a pot on, on, on the bad boys. We'll have a pot on Rod. I mean, you know, they're basically each guy gets their own episode almost. And, yeah. you know, one of my favorites, Steve Kerr, you'll see him in episode nine. And um, obviously what we didn't know without looking at the footage was these little moments like, you know, 
the, the security guard and he goes like this when they're playing either gambling in the, in the, in the locker room. Uh, John all the Lewis. meme, yeah, all the memes yeah. that have come of this, yeah. All the little memes and, and all these little moments. You know, like I personally, I mean, I'm biased. I love all the episodes. Um, I really do. I think though my favorites, and I love 10 now too, but seven and nine, and I don't know if you guys have seen seven yet, but I, I think yeah. it's a particularly powerful episode. Um, and you see that end, you know, it ends with Michael really getting emotional. That happened 45 minutes into the first interview. Mm, really? So we wow. interviewed him three times. And, you know, Jason has a great story about this because it's like, it's 45 minutes into the first interview. And, and Michael's asking for a break and he's tearing up and, you know, what does that mean? Does that mean he's going to like cut the whole thing? Or is it like, this is like, we're on a path to greatness. And, you know, I'm not saying anything that hasn't been said. It's like Michael Jordan came to play in this project. And so like, if he comes to play in basketball, what does that mean? It means you win a championship. If he comes to play, you know, it's a, it's a challenging project. Something like this, a lot of chefs in the kitchen, a lot of pressure, etc. All great things, you know, that can spur you to do well. It's also can be stressful. But the thing that was constant throughout that is this is these interviews with Jordan and and you've never seen him that way. And there's a candor and a willingness to go there that, you know, it's just hard to get in another format. And so that part is really special. Anything else, Harvey? <laughs> no, that's amazing. Um, thank you for the insight. Are you surprised at how well it's been received? Sure. I mean, I, I think like I've, I've said this, I think I may have even said this, um, uh, to, you know, to Peter or, you know, to Peter Goober, but like, you know, you have some projects that are unfairly ignored or criticized. Yeah, they just sure. don't get, you know, and you have some projects that are a little unfairly praised. Like they're not as good as everybody says they are. <laughs> uh, this one was never going to be ignored because it's Michael Jordan, but I do think it's being justifiably praised. And because I think it's, it's, it's informative, it's entertaining. Um, it's illuminating in ways about things that you wouldn't know, but what no one could have predicted is obviously that we'd be landing like this and that it would like pop the zeitgeist. And I think that's because people actually have a chance to watch it. You know, there's so yeah. much on that. Um, I think that the part that has surprised me is like these, the social media insanity about like little details, like that we labeled, Obama, Barack Obama. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, that was really just a choice. It was like, Jason was like, it makes sense because the, it, in the story we're telling, he was a former Chicago <laughs> But it became this like thing, you know, and um, <laughs> you know, that, part, uh, that part's been surprising. I do want to say that I think coming up, because it was in a preview, possibly the funniest thing I've ever heard and certainly the funniest thing that anyone says in this 10 part series without seeing the last two episodes is the notion that Reggie Miller, who wasn't even the best basketball player in his own family, suggests <laughs> that the team that took the Bulls to seven games during that last championship run because he pushed off in game six to get himself open <laughs> to a shot, but that they were better than that Bulls team is it's so hysterical. I, I I can't even believe the words came out of his mouth. But for me, as someone who lived in the city of Chicago at the time, was fortunate enough to walk into those buildings for some of those moments, there is a distinct similarity in the experience 
and the feeling that I have, A, when I walk into Bank of California Stadium, because in that era, you walked into that building and there was no expectation other than, yeah, Bulls are going to win tonight. You know, and it's just a question of what's Jordan going to do to get me up out of my chair? And when we walk into Bank of California Stadium, we expect that LAFC is going to win. And the question is, with all due respect to Harvey and the other guys, <laughs> How many goals what Carlos is going to do that's yeah. going to get me up out of my chair? I do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look, I compare it to, uh, I mean, again, I, I've, you know, I think growing up, I'm a, I'm, I'm a little older than, than, uh, than Jordan, but like, I think growing up in LA as an LA sports fan in the eighties oh, amazing, was the greatest era ever. I mean, I think people in Boston can have an argument if you've grown up there now, if you're like a, you know, if you've grown up in this era in Boston the last 15 years, tough argument to make. We had five Laker championships and two World Series championships and the Raiders were here and, you know, the Angels were good and, and UCLA and USC and the birth of the X Games culture and all of these things happening, you know, in a pretty, you know, and the Olympics um, all happening in L.A. But I, uh, it's sort of like I think of when I go to L.A., when I go to the Bank of California Stadium, it's, it's the best live sports experience that I've had. You know, in other words, like, you know, you could, there's on a consistent basis, you know, I, I was lucky enough to go to, let's say four or five Laker games a year, all throughout the Showtime era. And when it, when it was the playoff, there was an energy in the forum that was unlike anything. And, you know, you had the Laker, the cheesy Laker band and Lawrence Tantner on the PA and Dancing Barry. And there was like this energy to it, but it's kind of that same vibe, you know, at the bank, especially, I mean, pretty much every game, but there's like nothing like in, nothing in LA. There's nothing in really in the United States like 3252. And that is like, we come in, we could come in, the, the closer entry is on the, you know, Southeast entry, but we always come in on the, on the Northeast entry, you know, on the, on the 3252 side, just because my kids love to see it when we come in. So um, it's awesome. And like, you know, the, the way that the announcers announce all the players, and um, we have our own, like our, our little like family group in, in our section. Um, it's fantastic. What's next for you? What's in the works? What's next is, well, there's a, another basketball project that I'm uh, directing that I am not at liberty to say it is an international basketball story with a strong American connection. Actually, it's more an American story with a strong international connection. But um, we're, we're in the process of making uh, 10 films with the International Olympic Committee. Uh, basically a 30 for 30 series for the for great Olympic stories. It'll be on NBC and they'll be on the Olympic Channel platform and all the rights-holding broadcasters. And we're finishing a, a four-part documentary series on uh, uh, on the comedy store, the history of the comedy store, you know, the iconic comedic comedy club in, in Hollywood for Showtime. Yeah. And, you know, got some various things, other things in the works. But, I mean, what's next is I really want to see you on the field. I really want to see you. <laughs> Some, some MLS and some soccer again. Thank you for taking the time and sharing the insights on both We Are LAFC and The Last Dance and getting into some of your background, um, flexing the Ivy League muscles, um, zeitgeist twice, John, twice. <laughs> um, and we have a little tradition here on shooting the shot. Um, we try to get a little musical flair 
to take us out and started with Will Ferrell, did a little dust in the wind. <laughs> Jordan and Carlos Vela did a duet on Suavemente. Wow. Our good friend Jaime Camille uh, sang Stand By Me. Uh, Steve Nash did a brilliant, uh, with Harvey accompanying on guitar, did a brilliant uh, version of All Night Long, Lionel Richie, with a special vibrato trick. <laughs> and um, having asked you uh, a couple of the songs that you like to sing, I think maybe uh, a chorus of Dr. My Eyes uh, ah, okay. would be befitting, my friend. Uh, it would be. You have to tell me where, because I know the song really well, but I might have to look up some lyrics here. All right, so let me, let me just look here. Okay, here. Let me get it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, something like this. Doctor, my eyes have seen the years and the slow parade of fears without crying. Now I want to understand. And I have done all that I could to see the evil and the good without hiding. You must help me if you can. The doctor, my eyes. Woo! Tell what is wrong? Was I unwise to leave them open for so long? How's that? Outstanding, John Weinbach. Outstanding, man. You missed your calling. But thank you, guys. <laughs> Thanks, John. Be well, be safe. Really appreciate you, your time, man. Thank you very much. Anytime. Thanks so Hope much. See you soon. You too. I was like, man, I have, I have like ten more questions about Last Dance, but like, yeah. my favorite little interesting part was that that was forty-five minutes into the first yeah. interview, and Jordan like is that invested right off the bat? That's crazy. Yeah. You know, the director at that point is thinking, yeah, that might be it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have yeah. any, any idea where pacifier is? I do not know where a pacifier is. <laughs>